Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, we will go over some big NFL sales this week, talk about the updated MVP race, the NBA in-season tournament. Uh, but first, I thought we would start with uh, your recent travels, Luke. Uh, You got back home today. You were in Dallas uh, over the weekend uh, in person for uh, Sunday Night Football, Eagles, Cowboys. Um, As has been well documented on this podcast uh, from your time in Jersey, you are a uh, a, you've been adopted. uh, You're an adopted Eagles fan. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd first just start with what were your thoughts about the, the stadium, the atmosphere, the lead up to the game. Obviously, we all saw what happened during the game, but. Um, just kind of what were your what were your thoughts about the the overall you know kind of day there? Yeah, uh, super fast growing city. Dallas is uh, it's massive. I mean, when they say everything's bigger in Texas, like Dallas is just so spread out, even more spread out than L.A. Probably the most spread out city in America. Um, to- Toyota just moved the U.S. headquarters there. PGA Tours headquarters is there. I mean, just massively growing city. Of course, got some barbecue, uh, really good food scene. Certainly, if you like uh, barbecue. But uh, fast forward to the stadium. It's again the new model these days is is build the stadium about an hour outside of you know the urban center, which you know Boston did that with uh, with the Patriots and and Jerry certainly has done that with uh, the Cowboys. But really nice stadium. They have the same situation as Philly Live, which is a big like food court turned into like a giant open bar right next to the stadium where it's you know seven different restaurants plus seven different bars all under the same roof that everyone kind of drinks at and des Bryant had a big tailgate at it um so that's all great and the stadium aesthetically is incredible but they made some mistakes in building this thing so we had excellent seats uh we were the fifth row in the end zone and we walked in from texas live and at&t does not have a concourse they they um, try to get so much standing room only people into AT&T, but they don't want those people going through like the club levels. So what happens is people like myself who had really good seats, but we didn't have club access. It's different. You know, fifth row is not club. There's club for the suites. They made us go up four flights of stairs, no elevator, maybe the elevator, but you know, we're well able we're not going to take an elevator and other people need it. Four flights up, walk around the stadium we went through total gridlock in the fourth floor because everyone was trying to get to the seats literally wasn't moving 30 minutes before kick for probably 15 minutes like if you're a claustrophobia you're in trouble four flights down back down and then to our seats like literally there is no concourse to get to the fifth row so stunning that at&t would do that and i always applaud sofi in la because i you never feel crowded at SoFi, it's always open. You're never rubbing elbows with anyone else. No bathroom lines, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I like SoFi so much. AT and T is the exact opposite. Like they, the engineering on that and the and the projected flow of traffic was totally, uh, you know, miscalculated. Yeah, um, a couple things. Yeah, so one, I mean, there's that kind of classic funny meme or whatever of them of like opening the doors at Cowboy Stadium and then a rush yes. of people running yes. in because and that's all due to the to you know standing room only right so it's 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 securing a, a spot there um 
in okay so but like so when you go to get the problem that's the problem is that if you have seats you're like what the hell is this like i don't want to deal with this nonsense and so like when you want to go get drinks or use the bathroom like is is are there are there concessions and bathrooms like semi near your seats so yeah it is siloed but if you enter from texas live which is the most popular, you know, area. I, you know, granted, I could have walked entirely around AT and T to get to the other side, maybe. But there literally isn't a concourse to get from one end zone to the other. I've never, never been to a stadium like that in my life. Yeah, yeah. The, on some tickets, they do say like enter through this gate or that gate, and you know, usually they're just trying to help you. But it sounds like yeah. it was more, more than just help. <laughs> like it's pretty needed to do that. Totally. Um, and, and then lastly, the weather. I had no idea that Dallas gets that cold. I figured that it's Texas, like it would <laughs> never get below 55. I mean, it was it was 40. It was 40 yeah, degrees. Well, that I mean, I forget I, I think it's it was the same Super Bowl. I mean, so when you were when you were saying about you know cramming as much staying room only, that reminded me how there was a I forget what the matchup was, but there was a Super Bowl there not too long ago, and I think it was gonna be the first Super Bowl at that stadium, and they tried putting in like temporary seats like temporary stands um to fit more seated you know uh so you could sell more seated tickets and uh before like before game time it was ruled like it was unsafe and so there were a bunch of people who Mm. thought they had paid for tickets and basically told hey your seat doesn't actually really exist and so sorry like you're not going to the super bowl um but i believe that that was the same one that also yeah there was like a like a freeze it was it was it was super cold there Mm -hmm. um and yeah, the the entire Super Bowl descended on Dallas and not realizing it was gonna be it was gonna be that cold. So yeah. Um and yeah, and then about the being an hour outside of town. I mean, I think I think anyone who's a football fan knows that the stadium is technically in Arlington. Now, how close or far Arlington is from the city, uh, I have you know, I would have no idea yeah. unless I was I did that trip because I've I've never been to Dallas. Um and so I'm always curious about your thoughts. I mean, it's Dallas proper, you know, it it from what I've heard is a very, you know upscale you know or just it's a, it's a very it's not exactly what you think of when you think of like texas cowboy type of thing it's it's a very upscale city yeah it's a it's a hybrid of both there's a lot of cowboy hats a lot of pickup trucks you know but i went to a country club to pitch a couple uh prospective investors on saturday i mean obviously you know, anyone that doesn't think there's money in dallas is is foolish there's tons of cash but it's it's a little bit between you know upscale you know, Louis Vuitton, all the designer stores and cowboy. It's kind of like, you know, those two had a baby. That's what Dallas is like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know better than I do. I mean, don't don't get fooled if someone's wearing a cowboy hat. Don't be fooled that that cowboy hat didn't cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So, um, yeah. Um, all right. Well, that, that's uh, and then obviously, you know, the result was not what uh, <laughs> you were you were hoping for. But like, you know, in was the in stadium. I mean, what about the screen? Like, was was the in stadium experience good or? barely used at fifth row i mean again if you didn't aesthetically everything looks amazing like the screen looks big and clean and the 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 stadium from the outside looks great and like everything looks well done but once you actually it's like using it it's like using a car that looks really nice but once you drive it it kind of sucks like they have some some wrinkles some wrinkles to iron out in terms of uh, traffic logistics inside the stadium. But yeah, in-seat experience, nice. You know, you can get your concessions ordered to your seat. Um, But yeah, I mean, and obviously packed. Like, it was absolutely slammed uh, for an Eagles-Cowboys game. But yeah, I would say they 
the standing room only thing. While obviously great for Jerry, he gets to sell a bunch of standing room only tickets and get hundred bucks, hundred bucks, hundred bucks, maybe far more for a for that matchup. Um, it's to the you know deficit of of people who have some good seats. But yeah, really nice stadium. Other than that, it's 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 well done. It, it felt like SoFi maybe ten years prior, like a lot of glass and um, yeah, it looks nice. How's nice. your weekend? Yeah. Uh, my weekend was good. Um, so yeah, I was in Las Vegas last week, uh, for some business. Um, and then, but the business was done by Thursday afternoon. And so Thursday night, um, I went to the semifinal, the, the second game, the second semifinal of the NBA in season tournament, um, Lakers Pelicans. That game was also a, a blowout. Um, you know, it was like a 13 point game at half, you know, Pelicans had the lead a couple times the first half. And then, uh, I forget exactly the third quarter score, but that game was over within the first couple of minutes of the of the third quarter. Um, but you know, super cool to be there. It was like it had all star game vibes in terms of like the number of like you know media and former players, and you know you got KG and and Dr. J sitting courtside mm -hmm. next to each other, and um, you know it was a really kind of I've been to a couple all star games before, so it reminded me of that. But the the friend I was with had never been to an all star game, so uh, it was really cool for him to see you know, kind of, we, we had, we also had really good seats, uh, you know, fifth row center court. Um, and so it was cool for him to see, uh, all, you know, all the action. Um, I was able to meet Adam silver, uh, talk to him for a little bit, uh, may or may not have pitched him, uh, on prop swap, which, uh, he seemed, uh, you know, intrigued by. Um, the other Love cool it. thing good was job. that the, the had darked out, like blacked out kind of like the stands and the court was super lit up. So like, you know, it, you, this is how Lakers games are, at least from TV. Cause I've never been to a Lakers game, but like the stands are super dark, you know, uh, you know, uh, and then the core kind of lights up like a stage and they had that, which was, which was uh, really mm -hmm. cool. Um, but it's my one kind of T-Mobile arena, of course. Yeah. This, yeah. This, this is T-Mobile, which, which they never, you know, I've been to basketball games before. They never, you know, they never do that for any other basketball games they've, they've had there. So this was obviously a, a special thing that they decided to do. And I wish honestly, they did it for more games because it makes it feel like the game itself is like kind of more of a show. Like it's on, mm -hmm. it's on center stage, like a, like a play. Um, one of my kind of takeaways though, which I was shocked when I learned it, the first semifinal game tipped off at 2 PM local time on Thursday, uh, which kind of baffled me. Um, you know, all this lead up, you know, I thought the NBA did a great job. The players obviously were caring about it mm -hmm. and I wanted to go to both games. I had tickets to both games, but I wasn't able to get to T-Mobile by 2 p.m. on a on a on a Thursday, um, and so yeah, that was kind of frustrating. And one of the reasons I assume was that because they sold each game as its own ind individual ticket, so they had to so they cleared out the the stadium, you know, after game one, uh, which obviously they need more time to do. But still, I thought, you know, you could it's Vegas, you know, they, they ran an F1 race at 1 a.m. You know, you could have you could have uh, started that second game. Uh, later so that, that that'd be one of my one of my pieces of feedback yeah so i'm going to the indy classic this weekend which of course is our alma mater arizona number one team in the country woo woo, um playing purdue and they also are doing like a double header type thing but the first game is a joke it's like butler it's uh yeah well i'll, I'll look I mean, it up but yeah it's like uh, nobody nobody cares about that game it's like number one team versus number two team arizona versus purdue but like the game before that it's like who cares 
Right. And, and any, you know, March Madness, Final Four, you know, whatever, anytime that you have a doubleheader like that, they sell one ticket for both games. Now, you know, you may notice on March Madness when the second game is the bigger one, like the crowd can seem a little, you know, dead uh, because the most tickets have been sold for the second game. Well, but guess what? The crowd was also dead, you know, yeah. for, in this instance, because no one is, is able to show up to a game at 2 p.m. Uh, on a weekday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that'd be one of the the uh the the thing so um so yeah that wrap, was wrap, that was wrap up the double header and we'll come back to it. ball state versus indiana state it's like okay. who, who cares but, yeah well it's the it's the indie classic so yeah um yeah so uh that was a lot of fun um and then flew back to you know i would have stayed through the weekend but i flew back to denver on friday because i had a very early morning on saturday um i i joined uh what's uh what's called the Denver Children's Foundation here. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a group of 100 guys. It's, it's all male, but there are other organizations that are all female too. I, I, um, I want to make that clear. But I, I think there's a, re- there's a reason before, but it's not because like women like, you know, can't, can't do the same thing. I just think these things are generally uh, segregated by, uh, by sex. But 100 volunteers, business leaders uh, who volunteer their time to um, raise money uh, for, the, for basically a, a fund that uh, then gets dispersed to Denver area nonprofits that focus on children. Um, and this Saturday or this past Saturday was our Christmas for kids event where uh, we were, we, I, we each picked up a kid at five 30 in the morning, took him to a target uh, that was open, you know, before it opened to the public. And um, they had a, a set amount of money to spend on gifts for their, their parents, their siblings, uh, and so it was a really cool experience to just walk the aisles with someone and, you know, get them gifts that they would never be able to, you know, afford themselves and, you know, helping them think about, you know, what would, you know, what would their younger brother like, or what would their mom like? And so, um, you know, it was, it was, it was organized chaos in that target. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a uh, hundred volunteers plus kids, plus some of their parents, uh, tagged along, but, uh, worked out great. Um, Santa came in on a helicopter and, and hand out some more gifts. So it was, uh, it was a really cool uh, morning on Saturday. When you say came in, helicopter landed outside, obviously. Yeah, no, but a legitimate <laughs> helicopter landed in the wow. parking lot of a Target, and, the, and then Santa walked out, and then um, there was, like, a, a bunch of other, like, gifts and shopping carts that kids could run and grab and, and take photos of Santa. So um, it was a really cool. And, you know, we this group has been working very hard over the last couple of weeks and months to put this event on, raise money for it. And so um, it was, it was the culmination of a, of a lot of work by a lot of uh, people who, like I said, just volunteer their time. No one, you know, we don't get anything out of this other than, um, you know, just helping, helping the, uh, the kids of the, uh, the city. Got it. Incredible. And, you know, I'm sure that the numbers will trickle in, but obviously with the growth of Denver, I'd think that'd be the best year ever. So awesome congrats to you congrats to dcf um you made made a lot of kids holidays yeah no it's great and um you know the the group definitely brings a a competitive aspect to the fundraising um which is interesting right so you know there's leaderboards for for who's doing the best and then there's leaderboards for who's doing the worst and you know you you work your tail off obviously for the kids but also there's an aspect of like well i don't want to be you know called out for being one of the uh, the bottom people so um you know, thank you to you, Luke, for for donating. Um, PropSwap uh, donated as well. Um, both of our our families uh, donated. So um, thank you to you know you and your family and and anyone else out there who's listening who I may have reached out to. So um, yeah, it was it was a great event. 
Bravo. I'm tearing up over here. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that was, yeah. So interesting weekends, uh, for both of us. Um, and so, you know, I had some more stuff on the in-season tournament, but, um, really what I just want to talk about was just, uh, I think it was generally a success. Um, and the thing that kind of stood out to me was the fact that the Indiana Pacers who reached the final of it, they were 50 to one, uh, before the tourney started. And then they got all the way to the finals, uh, and lost. They were plus 150 uh, ahead of that game. So there's another example of um, a way you could have gotten in on a long shot future. And then really with just a month, it it uh, matured from 50 to 1 to plus 150. Uh, and so, um, and then same thing on the MVP front, Tyrese Halliburton, the, uh, the Pacers new kind of superstar, he was 40 to 1 to win the, uh, the MVP uh, before the tournament. And then he was same odds as the Pacers plus 150 because if the Pacers had won it would it was his uh, MVP to uh, to lose so um I think this was great uh I think it was a success I think they'll make some some updates and changes that will only make it better and so um you know overall uh you know it's and it's, you know as someone Luke you you know who doesn't follow the NBA until football is really over um you know did this tournament kind of get you to pay attention to NBA just a little more uh, at least during it it did yeah, I, we were talking. I went this weekend to you know our Eagles buddy Gabe. We were just talking about the Pacers and like obviously Halliburton and you know looking so at the futures odds this morning. Like they they went and obviously this is partially a factor of them winning games regardless of the in season tournament. But the Pacers have won from two hundred and fifty to one to a hundred to one to win the NBA Finals in three weeks. So um i'm sure like i said it's part of their success in, a, in the regular games but it's a bunch of people watching this tournament like damn like this team's actually way better than we thought they were going to be this year yeah well i mean it's not just like so they beat the bucks in the semis and it's not just beating the bucks in any other regular season game it's beating the bucks when the bucks are trying their hardest like you know the yeah. bucks really want to win that game and so you totally. know come playoff time yes it's it's best out of seven you know you can't just win one game but uh, I think it does show like when it's best first best, the Pacers can can hang. Uh, and so, you know, will that translate to winning four out of seven? Only time will tell. But, you yeah, know, I think it is a, a good indication of of a team like the, the Pacers or the Kings, you know, did well as uh, too. Um, I think it's it's a good it's a little good uh, barometer. Um, but moving on, uh, I wanted to switch gears, talk a little NFL um some some big sales in the AFC on Monday morning um i this is just a guess but i ha- but with the chiefs losing uh yet again um it is turning the AFC kind of uh in flux right now and uh teams like the ravens and the dolphins um i think uh have now risen way more to uh to the top so uh the first sale i wanted to bring up was before the season, a PropSwap customer placed a $178 bet on the Ravens to win the AFC at 13 to 1 odds. Uh, if Baltimore wins the conference, this ticket will collect $2,500. On Monday morning, that ticket sold for $667. So that's a close to $500 profit for the seller. Uh, and those were odds of plus 275 for the buyer uh, who paid 667 uh, and that's compared, uh, those odds of plus 275 on PropSwap uh, is compared to plus 260 at FanDuel and plus 250 at DraftKings. And so Ravens are currently the AFC favorite. Uh, we're recording this before um, the Dolphins Monday night game. 
Um, are you a believer in Lamar and the Ravens to, re- to reach the Super Bowl, or uh, do you think um, they will they will fizzle out in in the playoffs? I just we've talked about this before. I just don't trust their offensive uh, firepower enough if they get down to a team like Buffalo or Kansas City or Miami. I just it wins regular season games. You can grind teams out. The rushing attack just forces teams to kind of crumble by the end of the game. But I just am concerned that if they go down 13, nothing, or, you know, obviously 14, nothing, even 17, seven, like it just, it concerns me that they just don't have a stretch the field type offense. So yeah, I, I would have sold that ticket, especially after, you know, chiefs kind of having a, uh, some weakness over the weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I'm more bullish on the Ravens than you are. Um, they were down late against the Rams uh, and, you know, scored lost, when they yeah. had to, 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 for, to force overtime. I think Zay Flowers uh, is that kind of stretch the field receiver that they may not have had before. Um, you know, obviously the Mark Andrews uh, injury has definitely hurt them, but um, I just think they are the most well-rounded uh, team yeah. in the AFC uh, and, you know, I think the other, the, the second best team, or, or you may say the first best team is the next team we're going to talk about. Um, the, the Miami Dolphins, uh, another sale we had on Monday morning. Uh, before the season, a prop swap customer placed a $150 bet on the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl at 30 to 5, 35 to 1 odds. Uh, if this ticket wins, it will collect 5400 On Monday morning, the ticket sold for $600. So, uh, that was a $450 profit or a 300% ROI uh, for that seller. Uh, and then meanwhile, the buyer received odds of eight to one on the purchase. And that's compared to seven to one at FanDuel and six to one at DraftKings. So uh, again, another example uh, of where the seller made uh, several hundred dollars in profit and the buyer got the the best odds in the country. Um, are you more bullish on the Dolphins uh, than you are on the Ravens? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just wrapping up the Ravens conversation, their defense is incredible. So like if there's any saving grace that can, you know, obviously if you keep the other team to less than 13, then you can grind them out. So they got a shot. I, I don't, I don't hate the Ravens. I just am concerned about their deep, uh, their deep ball threat, but um, love the dolphins. Um, you know, I think they'll, they should roll tonight um, against the Titans, but um <sighs> Yeah, this their their defense is concerning. It's good. So ninth in total yards, Dolphins defense, eighth in rushing yards, and then points their twentieth. So like good good holding teams in terms of offensive yardage, but they give up the twenty, you know, the twelfth most points. So concerning. They need to figure that part out. Um this would be one I would sell the Ravens AFC, but with the Dolphins, I would sell it and then take half those profits and reinvest. In the Dolphins, just because they're they're low single digit, it's, I, and I still think the Chiefs would beat the Dolphins in a playoff game. I trust the Chiefs more overall. Um, yeah. So I, you know, you were talking about the Ravens being reliant on on certain things, right? They have to kind of like play from the lead. I think that the Dolphins are too reliant on the the passing game, right? Uh, now, granted, Tyreek Hill is probably going to set the record for most receiving yards in the season. So like they've, yeah. they've managed to figure out ways to, yeah. you know, cause I'm sure defensive coordinators are, are game planning to, to stop him and they keep figuring out ways. But um, I do think come playoff time, um, you know, you're, you're going to be, 
some defense is going to force them to run the ball or get the ball to other receivers besides Tyree Kill. And I just don't trust them that they can win when when that, you know, when that game plan is not not working. Uh, and so and not to mention Jalen Phillips, uh, who a lot of people say is their best defensive player. Uh, he's he's done for the year. Uh, and so um, I'm I'm way more bullish on the Ravens uh, than I am on the Dolphins. In fact, you know, I think and I'm, I think Ravens are my my pick right now, I think, to win the AFC. Chiefs have done nothing uh, to show me that that they're the same team as, as last year. So, um, again, I, I would still have sold the Ravens ticket, but I definitely would have sold the Dolphins ticket at eight to one odds. I think this is a perfect time to uh, to to sell high. Um, so uh, more to come here. But the AFC race is is extremely interesting um, versus the NFC race, where it really seems like at this point it's a kind of a two pony race. Uh, I know you don't want to hear this. I'm sure you're thinking it's still three teams, but all season long, I've been kind of saying, I thought the Eagles were, um, I think overrated, right? I've been saying swap Jalen Hurts MVP, swap the Eagles. Uh, I think it's it's between the 49ers and the Cowboys, which leads me to uh, the next topic I want to talk about, which is the, which is the MVP race. Uh, the two favorites right now are the quarterbacks of those two NFC teams I just mentioned, Dak Prescott, is plus 150 uh, favorite to win MVP, followed by Brock Purdy at plus 200. Um, I mean, if I would have told, forget for the season, if I would have told you that a month ago that those were the top two favorites, uh, you would probably would have said I was crazy, right? No Hurts, no Mahomes, Lamar is, you know, in the mix, but not really. Two is in the mix, but not really. Um, what are your thoughts right now on the uh, on the MVP race? Yeah, you could have got both those guys at 20 to one, like less than a month ago. Dak and, and Brock Purdy. So um, as we always talk about this award, there is so much recency bias with these voters. So do not think that just because some, you know, it's a quarterback's award nine, nine times out of 10. Don't think because some quarterback had a bad first half of the season that he's not going to be able to make a run in the second half and win this thing. So just yet again, it pays dividends to be checking those odds every weekend through, you know, through the end of the whole season. Literally this thing could flip in, in week 18. So, um, yeah, you're never, you're never out of this thing. It's a quarterback's award. I it's, it's silly. I talk about this on ESPN Chicago every week. We kind of analyze the top options. It is silly that receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill, like you said, can have 2000 yards or uh, Christian McCaffrey might have 20 touchdowns. Like it is silly that we're not even like debating that it's like, we're like, we're not even involving Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill in this award. So that part is silly. I think, um, but given those two options, um, I will lean Brock. I don't think the Cowboys are that good. The Eagles look terrible on Sunday night. I'm not taking anything away from Dallas, but obviously Philly already beat them once. So they're one and one in a matchup. I just, I don't trust the Cowboys enough. Um, CD lamb's too inconsistent. Dak is fine, but he really didn't make that many good throws last night. The guys, the, the receivers were wide open. Philly's DBs stink. Um, so I would trust Brock over, over Dak. Um. Yeah, I I would I would pick Dak over over Brock. I mean, you know the the online you know discussion of Brock always. I mean, and it's incorrect, but it's always just about like how you know it's the yards after catch. You know, he just hits Debo on a ten yard slam, then he takes it to the house, and so um, you know, I short of that somehow changing in the next four weeks, I I just don't think. You know Brock is get, is going to be able to get over the hump in terms of a surpass surpassing Dak again. 
do not sleep on Lamar. They've got more yep. primetime games coming. Yep, uh, totally. And so I would still say do not sleep on Lamar. Um, you know, I would, yeah, you, you can go ahead and sleep on Tua, I think. But uh, to your point about the, you know, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill and McCaffrey not being in the conversation. I, they should just rename the MVP award, like the best quarterback award and Probably. the offensive player, the best skill position player. Uh, and then same thing with defenders, right? It's, it's like, oh, defenders, they're not going to MVP, you know, because they've got their own award. And so it's like, what, a, you know, just <laughs> MVP goes to quarterback, play, offensive player of the year goes to a skill position and, you know, the defensive guys, you know, get their own award. It's, it's kind of dumb at this point. Yeah. hundred um, percent. But uh, the, this MVP race does lead into our trivia question uh, for this week, or as I like to call it, Luke learns. Uh, we, we went a little difficult last week um, with uh, Major Applewhite. Uh, you know, if, if you're not familiar with him, that, that would have been a difficult one. But um, here's this week's trivia question. So uh, as we discussed, Dak Prescott is the favorite to win NFL MVP. Since the Associated Press began voting on this award in 1957, only one Dallas Cowboy has ever won the MVP since 1957. Mm. Can you name that player? Wow. Uh, I was reading the retired numbers in the stadium last night. So um, I will go with Roger Arbach. Well, it's, it's Staubach. Roger Staubach. Staubach. Okay, yeah. Um, you might be kind of far from that, from that, uh, retired number. Um, no, that is not, that is not the, uh, the answer. The answer is Emmett Smith. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) I, yeah, I I wanted to make sure I threw the 1957 to make you think it, it, you know, could have gone back that far, but, uh, but no, the answer was, uh, I thought you were going to go either Emmett Smith or Troy Aikman, Aikman, uh, but no, Emmett Smith in 1993 is currently the only Dallas Cowboy to have won the wow. NFL MVP. Aikman never won that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was a different game, you know. It was a different it was a different game, you know, back in the 90s, way more uh runs than uh, than yeah. passes you see these days. So, uh thank you for playing along. Um we will uh we will try to get them next time. Uh but for now, uh it is time to get into a little stake or swap. <laughs> First up, uh, we will be talking about another NFL award, uh, this time Coach of the Year. Uh, Sean Payton uh, is currently 16-1 to to win Coach of the Year at BetMGM. Um, I will go first. I am staking the Broncos head coach, Sean Payton, to win Coach of the Year. Uh, the Broncos' current odds to make the playoffs is plus 135, which, you know, if I would have told you that, after the first six weeks of the season, you would have said that's insane. Um, the Broncos point differential this year is minus 22. However, if you remove that 70 to 20 Dolphins loss, that's plus 28. Uh, and as you know, I like to look at point differential and and you want to talk about outliers. I think that that 50 point loss was, was the outliers of outliers uh, against the Dolphins. They've won six of their last seven games. Uh, the remaining schedule is at Detroit home versus the Patriots, home versus the Chargers, and at the Raiders. Uh, point being is I think they have a very decent shot to to win three of those four games. Um, Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryans, I think their stock is trending down. I mean, no one's really talking about how bad the, the Texans were uh, on Sunday against the Jets. I mean, C.J. Stroud didn't even go for 100 yards uh, passing. 
Uh, and then just, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that Peyton is going to win it, but I could definitely see his odds dropping into the single digits uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think he could be right in that mix. Uh, I also think LaFleur for the Packers uh, could be in that mix. And right now McDaniel's the favorite, but I, I really think it's going to be one of these teams that did not make the playoffs or did not have high expectations. Um, so uh, 16 to one on Sean Payton, I am staking. Yeah. I mean, that's great value um, on both Sean Payton and Matt LaFleur. Good point on, on him being 14 to one. They've had such a turnaround. The Packers have, um, I will swap Sean Payton um, because I just think D'Amico Ryan's going to win this thing. Um, they are, I mean, they've, they've lost one game, you know, to say that D'Amico is trending down. I'm not sure about that. They obviously look terrible against the jets and really bad weather. Um, but, and they beat the Broncos the week before that, the Texans said, um, so, yeah, I just, I, I we talked about Dan Campbell a ton. Like, I just think you should have gave it to him last year, but maybe the voters will disagree with me. Um, and I just think D'Amico Ryans is doing more than Mike McDaniel is with his given roster. And to me, obviously, I'm not a voter, but that's how coach of the year should be measured. Who's doing the best relative to the roster they were given. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be staking uh, D'Amico still, and I'll, I'll swap Sean Payton. But I agree there's value there, and I also agree there's value in Matt LaFleur at 14-1. to 1. Yeah. Um, you know, this award has gone from you got to win your division to just got to make the playoffs. And when I say D- D'Amico's stock is trending down, I kind of think just the Texan stock is trending down. And um, I could see them having peaked already this season and missed the playoffs. Uh, and obviously, Awful. Houston has the the tiebreaker <laughs> over over Denver. Um, I, can't, I can't believe Indy's 7-6. and six. I, I It's stunning with with Gardner Minshew leading the charge if that hasn't been talked about enough like that is that is wild what they're doing Shane Steichen all of a job um all right and then uh switching sports gonna talk a little college basketball which we have not gotten into uh much uh this season so far but um gonna talk about the Baylor Bears uh currently 25 to 1 at DraftKings uh Luke you can go first are you staking or swapping Baylor yeah, so nothing to do with my Bears hat, even though the Bears had a gigantic win against Detroit. Um, going to stake the Baylor Bears. They, you can find them at 25 to 1 at DraftKings. They're 20 to 1 at FanDuel. Uh, had dinner with a Baylor buddy over the weekend, and uh, Andrew Woodward, uh, it's a venture capitalist, and he's, you know, went to Baylor and he's like, this is the deepest team we've ever had. They're undefeated still. Um, I did not realize that their head coach, you know, we went to the national championship when Baylor just destroyed Gonzaga in Indianapolis. I didn't realize Baylor's head coach, Scott Drew, is the brother of Bryce Drew, who hit the shot at Valparaiso, that famous um, college basketball shot in March Madness, like one of the biggest upsets ever. Uh, Didn't know that. So that's crazy. That was a fun fact. That was uh, while I was researching Baylor. But yeah, national championship three years ago apparently the deepest team they've ever had they are fifth in points per game sixth in field goal percentage and second in three-point percentage it seems really good undefeated other teams at the top of course are wildcats we're selling arizona tickets on props up at 10 to 1 on the wildcats like they're good we're we're a good team but 10 to 1 in december is it's crazy so i if you can get baylor at 25 to 1 then uh they're not they're not arizona is not two and a half times better than baylor um, 
right. I, uh, I will swap uh, Baylor. Uh, Color be skeptical that uh, a Baylor alum uh, is saying that they've got a really good team. Sure. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, those, those points, you know, you know, how, how good mm-hmm. they are offensively. Well, that could be the fact that they just haven't really played a lot of good teams. I mean, they put up one away against Nichols, 91 <laughs> against Northwestern State. Um, you know, they've got some games, what, against Gardner-Webb and John Brown. Sure. Uh, yeah, we I thought that was a receiver, that. not a school. So, you know, they have not got – my point, though, is that they have not gotten into their into the Big 12 schedule. And in fact, they've got Michigan State and Duke coming up. Uh, obviously, both those teams are actually having a down year. But the Big 12 is loaded. Um, you know, you've got obviously teams like Kansas, Houston, Oklahoma, BYU is ranked, Texas is ranked. And so my point here though, is that, um, I think they're going to suffer some losses in conference. Now I'm not saying they couldn't do something in the tournament, but in terms of when to get in on Baylor, um, I think, you know, unless I could be proven wrong, but I think that they're going to, they're going to stop. They're going to start playing some of this good competition and get some losses. And then you can get a, even a better number later this season uh on on baylor uh but even that being said you know yes we were uh in the house for them winning that championship um but other than that i i've never been a huge scott drew fan uh in the tournament um last year they were a second round exit year before that a second round exit and that was after winning the, the big 12 uh before that they won it before that was COVID, and then before that uh another second round exit so you know, the championship, I think, was the exception, not the rule. Um, and more times than not, uh, Baylor under Scott Drew uh, has early exits in the tournament um, when, when, when they're good. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm not a huge I think there's a lot of other big 12 schools um, that I that I like um, that I think will uh, will do well. So. Um, but yeah, we will uh, more more. Obviously, college basketball talk to come um, as uh, the season and, and conference play gets underway. Uh, but for now, that will do it uh, for this week's episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 